bitch. You need to hear this. Hello, hello, and welcome to the bitchiest podcast in all of the land. Bitch, you need to hear this. And I am your bitchiest host, Katie Ploss. And I am so excited to be back on the mic today, my beautiful ladies. I hope everybody had a restful holiday season and you enjoyed whatever holiday you celebrate, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, non-denominational, even if you just said screw it to this year and canceled Christmas. I love that for you. I hope everybody got what they needed. And, you know, it is January 3rd, the day that this episode is coming out, and it is just past the you know, holidays and the craziness and the food and the partying and all the things that we do, right? And everybody is talking about what is your New Year's resolution? We all just spent the last couple of weeks reflecting on 2022, what went well, what didn't go well, and what do we want to see differently for this year? But whenever we talk about New Year's resolutions, you know, it's always a focus on what went wrong, what isn't working in your life and really focusing on the negative. And, you know, I, I think that's a really interesting way to start off a year of trying to improve yourself by focusing on what isn't working. And I want to take a different spin on this, this whole season, you guys, season two about being you and being authentically you. It's all about being enough, being exactly who you are right now today. And that does sound counterintuitive when I'm talking about New Year's resolutions. And so I have brought an expert on to share not only her story, but her expertise on being positive about yourself and about others. In fact, she's such an expert on it. She is a best-selling author. She's a personal friend of mine. It's amazing getting older and your friends like start doing really cool shit in life. I know I do cool stuff too, but I love it's almost more fun to see other people do really cool stuff. So today I have Dr. Kelsey Reed on the podcast. She is a school psychologist. She is a best-selling author. And she is just a complete and utter badass. And I've always been inspired by her. She was, we were in the same grad school program together. And she's way, way, always been way smarter than me. So I'm very excited to have her today. Welcome, Kelsey, to Bitch, You Need to Hear This. Thank you so much for that introduction, first of all. I am not way smarter than you. We were both in grad school at the same time. Makes us equals, you know, but but I appreciate it. Well, you went on, you were in grad school a lot longer than me. You went on to get your doctorate and you really, uh, you really hustled through. I couldn't wait to get out. And you did the extra, what, like two, two years? Yeah, what was it, three years? Two years. You're, you're, yes. I'm in my fifth year. I'm in my fifth year of practice, so you must be, and you're in your third, so it must have been two years. Yeah. No, I, I would. I don't know yes, what I would yes. have done. Um, I'm, but now I'm going back yeah, to school to get know. my doctorate, so now I know. I'm, I'll be go. doing the additional yep. two years now. Exactly. <laughs> See, and I couldn't do that. I could not go back. <laughs> I don't know. I'm grateful for the experience, but yeah, as you know, now being in the real world, being a real world school psych and working with kids and families, I mean, you see firsthand how it, it, it's not easy out here. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, 
I've known you now a long time. We're getting old. It's like we were in grad school, what, now, like, seven years. We started grad school, like, seven years ago, almost eight years ago. The hell? Um, (laughs) But, you know, I... We both have grown so much, right? In, in in some respects, it's gone fast, but in others, I mean, it's been it's been quite a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And you know, for you, it's and we've you know both had very different journeys of what that's looked like. But and I want to hear, I want you to share yours a little bit with how you be how you became. You went from this like Michigan-based little cute little grad school student displaced to Chicago, and now <laughs> you're living. Are you in the D.C. area now? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in Maryland. Yeah. You're in Maryland, but you're like you're like DC area in oh, Maryland. Oh yeah, D- the DMV is what we call it. Okay. <laughs> um, so you're out there. You're a best-selling author. You're like really doing the damn thing out here. I'm trying. And I mean, and you're only in your third year, so I can't even imagine to see where you're going to be in 10, 15 years. But I can't wait. But tell us, like, what has this journey been like for you? What is it? What do you do? What's your whole? What's your shtick? Give the listeners your little spiel. (laughs) All right, will do. So, yes, I am from Michigan originally, um, the Lansing area, kind of the middle of the state, middle of nowhere, I I like to say, to be honest, like the worst part of Michigan because we're nowhere near the lakes. It's a hole in the wall, Holt. It sure is. (laughs) So, um, born and raised there, went to undergrad um, at Grand Valley State University on the west side of the state, and always wanted to go to the big city quote-unquote, you know, Chicago um, for grad school or just end up there at some point in my life. So that is where Katie and I met. Um, So went there in, what year was that, 2015? 2015 started grad school. Wanted to be a school psychologist. Um, Started in the specialist level program because that's what I thought. Well, actually, I applied to the PhD program initially and got denied. So I... (laughs) I forgot about that. Unwillingly. I actually forgot you did that. I I did. So unwillingly, yes, started in the specialist level program, kind of convinced myself like, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do. I just want to be in schools. Like, you know, I don't know why I wanted to do PhD in the first place, yada, yada. Started on a research team. um, And that was when I was like, you know what? I do not want to be in the schools um, forever. I know that now. And so I made that transition to the PhD program during our second year, I think. So applied there, um, was doing a lot of really cool research on like the school to prison pipeline, school discipline disparities by race, things like that. Um, And I got really, I've I've always been really invested and interested in that because of my background. So a lot of people don't know at first glance um, or even at second glance (laughs) that um, that I'm biracial. So um, I'm white presenting, but my, my mom is black. Um, My biological dad is white, but I have a unique background because I grew up um, in an all-black family. So adoptive dad is black, younger siblings are black, all the family that I know is black, so I I have no connections to any of the um, the white side of my family. Um, I'll get into it a little bit. I do, I have, I have to, I can't not mention this, but I did meet my sister who um, is white. I met her when I was 16, so I have one connection to that side. but all of my, the most of my experiences um, have been with my black family. So anyway, um, slight tangent, but that is related to, I think, why I'm super passionate about the um, the topics that I'm interested in. We grew up in a predominantly white town. And um, so you can imagine how it was very interesting navigating um, the way my family 
dynamic is in a predominantly white town. Um, you know, being in school, people thinking I'm white, coming over, um, I'm not white, you know, just, just kind of how I navigated that and how my experiences were very different from my siblings um, in school. So yeah. I think that was a big kind of motivator to being interested in this type of research. But, you know, yeah, so, okay. I gotta, I gotta, t- I gotta jump in because I want to bring the listeners. If you've listened to Jordan's episode as you're talking, I'm like, wow, you need to meet Jordan. Um, you guys, Jordan's going to be on the podcast again later this month. So Jordan and I, it's an episode also with about being her being biracial, but it's really interesting because Jordan has a really similar story to you, but it's flipped. So mm-hmm. she was, she's biracial and she presents like black, but her she was raised in her her all white side of her family and doesn't have any contact with the black side of her family and she was raised like you in a predominantly white town Mm -hmm. and so it's like a really interesting like parallel to your story and she talked a lot about you guys with that episode um about the challenges that she went through as a child and she her also became a social worker and kind of works in a very Mm -hmm. similar field that we do so this you guys if you haven't listened to jordan's episode part two being biracial it's actually a really good episode to supplement with this one because they're going to be not the same at all but um just i think a really unique perspective on being biracial and i and i do want to cover that more with you because i think it is a huge part of what has inspired you to do the work that you've done Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah that's that's so interesting i bet I, I can't imagine the flip. You know, I think both have their challenges. Um, so, yeah, thanks for allowing me to have this space to kind of talk about that. Um, yeah. But kind of so going back to um, my long journey to get to where I am today, um, I joined the research team, joined PhD program, um, et cetera, graduated with my PhD in 2020, so completed my dissertation during the pandemic. Which I will say, I actually kind of credit the pandemic to me being able to finish my dissertation because I had that extra time not having to go in, like, go into, into the building. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, not that, you know, it was easy by any means, but I did graduate in 2020. Um, I thought that I was going to go right into academia, do something research related, but pandemic kind of impacted that opportunities that were available. So I started in the schools. Um, My first year was the 2020-2021 year, completely virtual. And um, I have been in the schools ever since. And my, I know you mentioned the book. So we did, or did you mention the book? I forget. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I would not forget that I have a best-selling author on my show. Right, you did. Okay, you mentioned the book. So, um, we, I, this, it's so crazy how this happened. And this is like one of those things you never know who you're going to meet and how they're going to fit into your life later on, or like what opportunities are going to come from the different people that you connect with. Um, and so I, while I was in grad school, I was at our national conference, which was in Chicago this year. I think it was like 2018, maybe. And I had a poster presentation and um, it was about school discipline reform. And this guy just, you know, random people, they come up to the posters or whatever. And this guy came up and was super interested in it. And he was just so passionate about the work and he gave me his card and he was like, oh, we need to keep in touch, this and that. 
And so we did, you know, I followed up with him and we worked on a couple of projects here and there. And he was always doing a million things on the side, just like constantly doing things and always bringing me in, kind of like sending my name places. He would be like, ah, she's up and coming, the new big thing. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Like didn't, you know, when you're in grad school, when you're young, you don't really like see that in you. So it's cool that he did. Right. It's like, I'm just like, I'm still feel like a child. Exactly. I still do. Um, Yeah, I don't say that's nice but um he um so we'd been working on projects together and last year he reached out to me and was like hey I have a really cool opportunity you know um I was invited to write a book um blah 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 and he and we talk about this a lot um you kind of hinted at it of being strength-based so he kind of said you know when he called me, my strength is talking like I can present, I can, you know, I can talk all day about about whatever, you know, but writing is not my strength. And I know that writing is your strength. So I'm wondering, you know, do you want to co-author this book with me? And it was just like a quick like five minute phone call. And I remember I was just like, yes, like I, I didn't even ask for any details. I didn't know the publisher. I didn't know what it was about. I, I knew nothing. I was like, I'm in. I'm so in. And um, from there, we just um, wrote the book. It, it actually ended up being an extension of my dissertation, which is really cool. So a topic I was already like really passionate about. And um, that was another blur. It was like I had to write a dissertation all over again, like a whole year later. So um, <laughs> but we knocked it out and it was just released in November of 2022. So October of 2022. I'm forgetting. Um <laughs> It was I it was this it was October I think. Yes. Yes. I want to say it was October. <laughs> it yes. was October. Yes. And it was very exciting because you like you guys like went up to the I'm pulling up the book right now. Um you guys went to the top of the charts on Amazon there like you we like did. tell tell me about that. Yeah. So we put a lot of work in on the front end to like advertise the book and yeah. and all of these things get like everyone super excited about it. And yeah, during our first week, we were um, the number one bestseller in special education and in inclusive education methods. So that was just like really crazy. And we were getting all these reviews like five stars, all these educators reaching out to us, um, wanting us to come talk. We have a spreadsheet now of like all these presentations and speaking engagements that we have lined up. Like it's just been like snowballing since then, which is just crazy and really cool. It's amazing. And I'm so proud of you and so excited for you because I think, and yes, you guys like this is it. Her Kelsey's book is written for educators however the reason that i tapped her to come on the show and the reason that i wanted the bitch you need to hear this community to hear about it is for a couple reasons one because yes kelsey does have a unique background and a unique journey and a unique story as to how she got there we're going to talk more about that but also because this her hacking deficit thinking the book the title of the book has eight reframes of that change the way that that you think about people and whether we want to talk about thinking about students right or the kids that we work with in a professional setting or thinking about the people in your life or thinking about yourself hacking deficit thinking is something that we can apply kind of across the board would you agree yeah absolutely yeah you know the the theory of it the foundation of it right i think your your book really go you know goes into how we how we apply this at 
the school level. And I, I am really, you know, I remember how passionate you were in grad school about, you know, the school to prison pipeline and, and all of those things. And then, you know, I want to talk about that in the second portion of the episode we're going to, I want to dive more deeply into that and then, and your own, um, personal story with social justice and you know you guys her instagram handle is sassy for social justice isn't it um it's my favorite so um, i want to talk about that but i did say i promise y'all that with new year's resolutions right i i think like i said everyone's talking about their deficits what isn't working i need to I, i gained too much weight last year i need to lose a certain amount of pounds i need to look a certain way i need to do a certain thing et cetera, et cetera, whatever that standard is. And that is the same type of thinking that is applied that, you know, Kelsey and her co-author talk about in their book and as in regards to education, but it's like, what can't people do? Let's fo- and, and that's what a lot of our society from all the way from when we're little, right? When we're in school, when we're being educated is focused on what we can't do. And your whole book and your whole theory is let's focus on what we can do. And I, your, my favorite little like tagline that you guys have is from what's wrong to what's strong. And what's, what's strong about you. And I think that is so powerful and so powerful for my bitchy listeners that, um, (laughs) are sometimes often stuck in their circumstances and feeling really isolated and feeling alone, feeling like they're not getting anything right. And, um, these reframes. So talk to me about these eight reframes. How did you come up with them? What are some of them and how can we apply them in our regular lives, even if we're not educators and we're not in school? Yeah. So um, basically the eight reframes are all, so like you said, they are kind of school-based. So they're geared toward educators in schools. And we tease apart and pick apart eight different aspects of the school environment um, that we can think about in a different light to be more strength-based in that area. So to give some examples, um, I'm going to give some examples and then I'm going to talk about the one that I think is the most relevant to like to us and to our conversation. But we talk about um, how in schools, for example, when we work with students who have disabilities, we are very much looking at, you know, what are their weaknesses? What what are all of the reasons why they will not be able to be successful? And how can we change those things? Um, How can we change them to fit into you know, this like arbitrary society, you know? Um, And so we kind of flip that into what are the strengths that students who have disabilities have? What are, how can we kind of foster the uniqueness, the individuality of each of these people so that they can find a way to, you know, contribute to society in a way that feels meaningful to them um, rather than kind of expecting you know, that they're not going to be successful, that there's, they're not going to be able to go to college, they're not gonna be able to do this. So, you know, it's, it's really just all the whole book is about reframing um, all of this blame that we put on people. And a lot of times that we put on students that we put on children. So that's one of the chapters is kind of focusing on disabilities, we have one that is specifically geared toward um, identifying strengths within yourself. So we talk about different, um, strength-based tools, assessments that that you can take that identify, you know, what are the things that you're good at and how can you use those things that you're good at 
to um, to flourish in life. It's it's a, there's a flourishing model. Um, there's a whole you know kind of there's a lot of studies that say that when you know your strengths, you can you're more successful. You have um, better mental health. You're healthier. There's there's so many positive things that come from just knowing. This is what my co-author says: um, naming your strengths, knowing your strengths, and using your strengths. So. You know, it's um, it goes both ways. So we we talk about how you we talk about it as an educator can do that, but just as as an individual, how you can do that. We talk about how you can identify strengths within your students. That's a big one, um, and then we talk about like school wide strengths. So I guess in this regard, we could talk about like community wide strengths. So it's it's basically just each chapter or each reframe is focused on kind of just redoing the way that our education system is. There's so much blame, so much hyper-focus on weaknesses, what, you know, this student can't read, this student can't do this, but we we forget that there are things that they do bring to the table. And I think that's our whole, like I said, I mean, that's our whole society, right? Mm -hmm. And it starts when we're little. It starts with exactly. our littles. And it's such important work that we're trying to um, kind of undo. And, you know, as, you know, Kelsey and I are both, and educators in the sense that we work in the schools currently and you know how hard it is to kind of create this mindset shift oh in a gosh, system yeah. that is really struggling mm -hmm. and that is but that's that's like our whole I really I'm gonna die on this hill that that's our whole society we are all so stuck in what can't we do? What should we do? Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Um, and blaming intrinsically who we are mm -hmm. as to why we're not being successful or why we can't do something. There must be something wrong with you. And so um, a big part of being a, a school psychologist to my listeners is that, yes, we work with a lot of students that with disabilities or that are struggling educationally. And, you know, there, there's just not enough conversation about what's strong about them and i and like i said i think this continues for our for a lifetime i think a lot of you listening to this probably had experiences when you were young in school where you were made to feel like there was something wrong with you because you couldn't do x y and z i know i can name like two or three instances literally off the top of my head just sitting here saying that and i was a relatively successful student that had a really positive school experience so when you when that's your you know first experience school into society you carry and it's negative and you carry this negative self connotation about yourself whether it's what you look like whether it's your ability whether it's your um you know your your relational skills with other people I mean there's it could be anything when we can't when we're just stuck in our deficit thinking we don't we don't make any movement but but talk to me about have you had any kind of like naysayers to this like oh like you're just like stuck on the positives like have you had anyone kind of give you feedback because i can see working in education and working with teachers like there is this like well at the end of the day we need people to perform we need you to do the thing we need you to meet the goal and if you're not going to meet it then there maybe is something wrong with you and how do you address that of like does focusing on your strengths make you like let's like even like if we put it in the sense of okay like new year's resolution someone's like okay well you know i want to lose 20 pounds and it's like well why don't you focus on like what's working for your body right now and they're like well then i'm never going to lose the 20 pounds by doing that you know how do you address yeah. that how do you create yeah. forward movement and change and growth 
while also honoring what is working and what's strong about someone. Yep. And I think that's the biggest connotation or negative connotation or misunderstanding, I guess, to this approach. So people Mm -hmm. hear, you know, strength-based or they hear positive thinking. And I think they, they get this idea that we're talking about, um, you know, ignoring weaknesses and having this like, kind of like false sense of reality and, oh, we just are positive and everything's going to be fine if we just, no, that's, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that, especially in the field of education and even kind of what you just said about New Year's resolutions, we focus so much on the weaknesses and on what's going wrong that we forget to even like consider what's going right or consider things that, you know, we can build up about ourselves. And so one like, and this is so, if you really think about this, this is like such a simple, easy thing that you can do that just like changes your whole mindset is every day um, at the end of the day, and you can do this with a child or with yourself is just think of three good things that happened today. You know, what are three good things that happened? You can always think of three good things. And what they say is that by doing that, you promote positive well-being. You are training your brain to look for things that are going well for you. It doesn't mean you're going to not acknowledge that like some terrible thing happened to you that day, but you're also, you're actively, you're taking the time to like intentionally focus on things that are going well. And so I think when we talk about you know, bettering ourselves, um, you can't ignore like, okay, if your goal is to lose 20 pounds, you know, that's your goal. But how can you do that in a way that fosters your strengths? So you're not, you don't want to lose 20 pounds and then feel terrible about yourself because of the approach that you took, because you didn't take into account, you know, um, that one of your strengths, I, I can't even think of an example right now, but what you, what we're or really like, talking like, or you, about. like, like you crash dieted, right? Like exactly. you like, yeah. you literally like restricted your eating so badly and you didn't right. take into account that you're an amazing cook and you have yeah. all the, but like you were too afraid because you were, that you were going to cook something unhealthy. So instead you just like starved yourself basically for a couple months, lost 20 pounds. And then you felt like shit exactly. about yourself that entire time. That's pretty much what hacking deficit thinking is saying not to do and it's from you know it's looking at an educator lens to it but again we can apply this to basically anything in that you can still meet your goals and create forward movement in life in work in school and also acknowledge you already inherently as you are right now today bring a lot to the table and there are always things to be grateful for to celebrate and without it being toxic positivity i was talking about that on the last episode i hate toxic positivity it's a huge pet peeve of mine but i think i know reading your book the way you guys do it it's very systematic and it's all evidence-based it's not this like i don't know it's not this like la 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 everything's grand great and beautiful um approach and you know that's what bitch you need to hear this is all about my friends it's all about you know being real but also being true to yourself and giving yourself grace and allowing yourself to celebrate exactly who you are you're like yeah you said it (laughs) spot on (laughs) amen snaps for me right so okay so let's talk about though like how 
I mean, we talked about this in the beginning of the episode, but I want to kind of bring it back to this of of your experience, like with deficit thinking and how this looks for you growing up, being biracial, becoming going into grad school, becoming an author. Like how talk to us about how this journey was for you to even create this particular approach. And, you know, like I think it's easy to it's easy for people to listen to this and be like, well, duh, she's biracial. So obviously she's passionate about social justice. But I think it's way more it's comprehensive than that and I think that there's a lot more to your story than that yeah definitely I think um I and I didn't realize this I don't think until I mean therapy first of all but oh we just love in general, therapy oh my yes. gosh like just yes like saved my <laughs> life multiple times many a times oh, yes. um so I kind of I realized, I mean, growing up, I, I don't want, I won't get too much into it right now, but like just, there were so many times that I was just kind of blaming the way I presented for a lot of things that happened to me and really just hyper-focusing on this supposed weakness of mine. Um, you know, feeling like I'm not fitting into my family um, because I'm the only one who looks like this, but also not really fitting into my community, my school, because of my background as well. So, you know, if you're, if it's, if you're, we're talking about any typical school in the US, obviously things are very segregated. Um, so if there are, you know, black students and white students at a school, we see that like segregation that happens. Black students hang out with the black students, white students hang out with the white students. Um, my family has kind of been in the Lansing area for a while. So once the black students realized, oh, that's your dad, they're like, wait, you're black? And it's like, yeah, like I'm black. And, but also I'll, I'll never forget that I, I did this one time. I had a friend who was coming to visit me for the first time. And I was just so awkward as a, I mean, we all were super awkward, but I stopped her at the door before we walked into the house and was like, by the way, I'm black. And she was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I'm black, just come inside. And then she's like, oh, I'm meeting my mom and stuff. And she's like, oh, I understand now. But like, what? I don't know. It's It was just this constant need to like validate who I am rather than like letting myself be who I am and kind of like letting my who I am as a person kind of, um, you know, ex explain that rather. I don't know. It, it was I just I had a really hard time with it. And I think I really didn't find my place until grad school. Um, which is when so we were at Loyola, um, which is very social justice driven. And um, just which you guys, I had no idea, like going to Loyola, <laughs> like hilarious, because that's why I chose Loyola specifically. Katie's just there. I was like, I was like, oh my god, it's in Chicago. It's really good. No, yeah, no idea. Um, no, so I actually. This is a good time to bring this up. So I talked about in Jordan's episode, you guys, I brought up someone that I knew that I like have totally embarrassed myself in regards to inappropriately talking about race. Well, hi, this is Kelsey. This is who I was talking to. And um, clearly we're we're okay, but I'm like, like she's forgiven me for my ignorance. But I went into grad school very ignorant. And obviously I grew up very privileged and I grew up you know, and I, and I'm white. And so I have, I grew up having that white privilege, but I also grew up privileged in like in a very high socioeconomic, um, community and had all of these opportunities and whatever. So, and I was so young when I got to grad school, like 
I didn't know shit about anything. And I thought I knew a lot because I went to Michigan State. And there was a little, I definitely got some social justice in, you know, diversity education that at undergrad. That was really my introduction to like, oh, the world might be different than what I thought it was in my small town. But it wasn't until I got to grad school and specifically met Kelsey and all the other people in our program. But I was absolutely mind blown and shook. I had never met a white presenting black person before. <laughs> and I didn't have the concept to like not show that. So like that I was like shocked. Like I really, I literally, I, I think I did this in front of you a couple of times, but I definitely did it all the time. And I would talk about you. I'm like, so my friend Kelsey, like, she looks white, but she's black. Like, why? <laughs> like, and I, th I think about it now and I'm like, why did I do that? Like, I mean, well, and we know why, right? It was like right. totally the way that we've been socialized and whatever. Yeah. But I didn't know what I didn't know. And so there was these, I can think of like multiple examples where, you know, that was that not only that you made that a part of your identity, but the people around you did too, especially the white people around you. And you were around a lot of white people. And because you are white presenting, and I know that this is true for you because I, I've heard you speak on it, um, but a lot of people that did not know that you are black spoke to you as if you were white and like did not necessarily filter Yes. at all and yes. so can you talk a little bit about that like what that's like yeah i will never forget it's so funny you say this i think my grandpa called me the like like a secret spy like i'm like spying on white people kind of because i'm <laughs> really? like infiltrating like white people because they think that i'm one of them and it's so true and it's it's i really do feel like that and i'm gonna be real with you i know you're saying that you made all of these comments around me I literally don't remember any of that. And I'll tell you why. Well, because it happens to me so Constantly. often. It yeah. happens to me so often that. Well, like, at I least I even... wasn't blatantly horrible. I mean, or, like, yeah. there are a couple, super... yeah, I will say. There are a couple that stick out to me. Not you, just in general, a couple oh, comments yeah, that people like, have made like, at some point in my life. <laughs> no. There are comments that people have made at some point in my life that very much stick out to me. And none of them yeah. that you made are, are, are any hey, of them. So. If you knew me, you knew me back then, <laughs> you can attest that I said what I wanted to say. So if I oh, was yeah. going to say something, oh, it would have yeah. been said. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you yes, I, I yes. <laughs> but um to get back to your yeah, I I was very much I mean the face of so many racist comments all the time of mm -hmm. people thinking that they were in quote unquote comfortable presence in the presence of like-minded people who you can say certain things about. You know, people always um, will kind of censor things that they're saying, be more PC when they're around people who they think, you know, won't agree with whatever or will be offended by whatever they're talking about. But when they see a white face, um, racism is kind of, you know, not one of them that gets censored because, you know, why would they? Um, yeah. So got that a lot. And even comments, like if a comment did happen, maybe like a couple of minutes later, someone would be like, oh my gosh, I forgot you're black. I'm so sorry. Like as if they're apologizing because I'm, <laughs> you know, because of my background rather than because of what they said being offensive in general. So that's yeah, still a little weird to navigate. Like but. just saying something 
Like, yeah, like, thanks for saying that super problematic thing. Um, right. And thanks for apologizing because you think it would offend me. But how about it just offensive and like, right. you basically. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so, are, are, yeah. are you comfortable sharing what some of those were? I'm sure our listeners are uh, pretty <laughs> like, I mean, I shared about like some problematic things that have been said to me in the past about yeah. but other people and race. So yeah, like I have, what, I have one example that very much sticks out in my mind. I will never forget this one. Um, I was at the pool with like a couple of friends, um, friends that were in my sorority, which I hate to make generalizations here, but they were, we were, I was in a sorority, I was in the same sorority. So we were in, um, in college at the time and we were at a pool and, um, a bunch of black, like a group of black people walked in, um, to get into the water. And I actually knew one of the guys, um, I like waved at him and I was like, Hey, he was, they were all like playing basketball or something. And one of the girls that I was with a friend, um, she was like, Oh, it's so hot. I want to get in the water. I want to get in the water. And I was like, Oh, like, get in the water like it's right there you know and um she was like oh, well like I'm kind of scared of black people like she just straight up said that and I was I didn't really like respond I think I kind of just put my head down like didn't say anything and I was with um another friend who you know obviously overheard it and she texted me and was like oh my gosh that was so messed up and in my head, part of me is like, well, why didn't you say something? And also, like, yeah. like, yeah, it's fucked up. So so then I think what happened is that friend texted the other friend and I think was like, oh, my gosh, like, remember Kelsey's black or something. I'm imagining this happened. I don't know. Because then this is an example of, like, a couple minutes later where she was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, I forgot that you're black and, like, I, f I feel really bad and this and that. And I'm like... Like, and this is a really bad one, obviously. Like, this is an example of, like, an extreme of someone this saying This is some overt racism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is, not ooh. covert, not implicit at all. This is um, not a microaggression. I, no. Exactly. Yes. And, um, yeah, so that, that that was a weird one, um, for sure. Some of them, <laughs> most of them are, like, less um, kind of blatant that I've experienced. Just, um, you know, like, people tell jokes um, that are racist. Like, oh, haha, like this or just well, they'll just say things that are just like kind of fucked up um about oh about i mean trust people. me i'm i'm white so i <laughs> yeah. i hear her i i've heard most of it if not all of it at one point yeah. so yeah yeah i mean as and i yeah. but you have such a unique like like your grandpa said you're a spy yeah <laughs> and as i've gotten older i now kind of will say something like i'm like Fuck oh that yeah. was fucked up like, I think when I was younger, I, I didn't, like, it would catch me off guard, and I'd be like, oh my god, did that just happen? I would, like, shut down. But now I'm like, oh, why did you just say that? Like, you know, like, <laughs> what what made you say that? And why, why would you think that's okay to say? So, yeah. No, I mean, growth. and it's just like, <laughs> and that's on growth, and that's on therapy, and we love to see Seriously? it. Yes. Um, but, like, like, just to tie in the New Year's resolution thing again, you guys, like, that should be your New Year's resolution. Go to therapy. Um, anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> fuck your diet go to therapy um so no but i think you know I, it's been so cool to watch you kind of grow into this identity because i met you when we were so young we were what 21 22 yeah. like we we're babies and so yeah. you had just come come you went straight from grand valley to loyola i believe i took a gap year um yep. but you went straight in and so you went from this like sorority girl life on the west side of michigan to 
Chicago in this social justice program. And like I said, you guys, I was so ignorant, had no idea, like social justice. Okay. And also what I didn't really understand. And like, I, I didn't really understand it fully until the last, honestly, I'm not even going to lie to you. The last couple of years is that social justice in its term is more than just different race. And I think that's obviously like um, the most uh, researched one, the most like discussed topic of all of the different um, components of social justice. But I mean, when I got into grad school, I was like, oh, so this also like addresses gender and religion and ethnicity and ability and disability and like pretty anything that makes you maybe a little bit different in any category falls under the umbrella of social justice. And I knew that when finally when I got to grad school and we took classes about it. Um, <laughs> but I think for me, like, and I, I actually wrote this in my application to my doctorate program is that through all that, I still didn't believe that social just, I still didn't really, it didn't really occur to me that social justice was something that I was a part of for being a woman. Mm. And until all my stuff, that I went through in my mental health journey over the last couple of years and doing this show and being um, ridiculed is the word that comes to my mind, but being ridiculed, being judged, being um, talked about, being talked to, that is when it finally clicked that social justice applies to me too. And I think a part of it is because I, you know, I, the reason that it took me so long is because I grew up so privileged and it wasn't like in my face all the time. Like it was for you growing up. It was in your face all the time from when, like as long as you can remember. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's a totally different experience. I don't know. I mean, I feel, I feel, I, I mean, I, I'm grateful for having my privilege. I think there's also a little bit of shame for that. And I think you can also attest to that of, you could be, you could use your privilege when you want it to, right? Absolutely. Like I, we, we've talked about that yeah. before, and I think you know, that is a thing that I really struggled with when I moved to where I currently live. So it's a predominantly black area. I was living with my grandparents at the time who are, are black um, in PG County, you know, like that, that's where I was living. If you, if you don't know where that is, it's one of the, um, first of all, the wealthiest black counties in the country. So like, just really cool to be in that like black excellence um area yeah. however like, empowering i love very it. much empowering but imagine the culture shock in a different way now that i um am at grocery stores um i'm presenting the way i am and i'm feeling very out of place but deep down i'm like i'm one of you like don't look at me. Mm. I promise like I'm supposed to be here. And yeah. and I know a lot of that. This is why. So I, I was in therapy in grad school and I got back into therapy um, again, seeing a new therapist um, when I moved to Maryland to kind of work through that whole thing, you know, um, feeling all of that privilege around my cousins, around my, my extended family. I'm with them all the time when I'm going out places, um, but in, in a different way. And so really kind of reframing that sense of my identity into like, how am I using this privilege to, you know, to spread this message? There are a lot of people who will not hear, hear people who, who don't look like me. You know, I can reach a different audience than my black male co-author can reach, um, in mm -hmm. terms of like, um, spreading the message of advancing education equity. 
So I think it's it really is about because I, I have those moments too. I'm working in schools that are predominantly black too, and I know how I'm perceived by the students there, by the staff there, as this little white girl who's coming in trying to shake things up and what does she even know? But that's what I had to work through. You know, I cannot care. I cannot project my insecurities on them. I cannot, you know, assume that they're making these assumptions about me because all I need to do is show through my actions who I am and that I am here to make a difference. And people who don't see that or people who, you know, don't believe, I get that all the time. Like, you're, you're not black. Show me a picture of your family, you know? And I haven't had it in a while, but like, I used to get that all the time. That was um, probably me. <laughs> no. Honestly, it probably was. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie to you. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? That, that rings a bell. <laughs> I was like, let me see photos. Now me subtweeting Katie during the podcast. <laughs> You're like, you didn't make any really memorable comments, but here's one you did. <laughs> oh, my oh my god, no! Yeah. But it's true, right? Like, yeah. it, I. But I also what it kind of like came to my mind as you were talking is that and bringing it even to your, you know, hacking deficit thinking and being strengths based. There was a time where, you know, your perceived whiteness was a weakness for you mm -hmm. yep. and was something that you really struggled with and and wanted to. I don't know. I mean, did did you want to be more black? Like, what was that when you were young? Like, because I, I I hear about a lot of little kids that are like, I wanted my skin to be different. Like, was that that your experience for you? Like, you wanted to be more black? I did. I mean, I either wanted that or I wanted my family to look like me. I just didn't want to stick out. Yeah. That's yeah. literally all it was because yeah. I felt like everyone yeah. was always staring at me. As I've gotten older. Yeah, I wanted to look more black. When I first moved to Maryland, yeah, I wanted to look more black. That was only a couple years ago. So I'm definitely still navigating this. Um, but I'm yeah. just learning to just lean into who I am, you know? Yeah, leaning into being you. Perfect for this season's theme. But also, and what came to my mind as you were speaking just a minute ago is, I mean, you're taking this perceived weakness in yourself and you're using it to um spread a message that you're very passionate about and that is very important to you and like you said you're because you have this weakness now strength it has enabled you to kind of create this really successful platform that you are still continuing to build on and how how amazing is that to take something that was such a difficult and um uh, I don't want to say barrier, but like a, a circumstance that you had to work through and, you know, have created or are on your way to creating a whole career out of it. And what a badass powerhouse bitch for doing that. And like, I, you know, I've seen you come into your own over the last couple of years. I mean, we've all, thank God, have all been coming into our own. I mean, you were, you, you remember me in the Voldemort days of when you, I remember you sitting at breakfast with me going, I don't know why you're with that guy, but sure. I remember that too, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's oh, like, man. and here we are today and it's so empowering, right? To, we all have a story. We all have something that within us that makes us not feel like, that we're good enough or that we are that we're strong enough or pretty enough or deserving enough or smart enough or whatever it is and here you are just doing it anyway and 
you know, I think that is so inspiring. That inspires me. I, you always have inspired me, even when we were young. And like I said, I was like, damn, never going to be a student like that. You guys, Kelsey <laughs> was like the best student. She wants to say she wasn't smarter than me. All right, fine. Maybe, maybe we were, I was smart too, but you were like next level when like we had an assignment due. Kelsey was like, yeah, I got that done like eight weeks ago. I was like, wow, I'm a piece of shit. It is um, so funny you say that because I'm not like that anymore. I was like that for like two years and then it completely like died out of me. I, I'm not that person. Damn it. Why did I miss that part of your grad school? I was like, I was so insecure. I'd be like, wow, like Kelsey, Kelsey is so much better than me. Um, but you know, but we all have that. And I think that's why I wanted to make this episode with you. Like you have such a unique story and you're taking it to like the next level i mean you're an example of a woman who is like standing in her power and is like yeah i have these things that that have bothered me up until really recently but i'm gonna do this work anyway and i'm gonna keep showing up and i'm gonna make a difference and i'm gonna leave a legacy whether you like me or not whether you think i'm black enough or white enough or smart enough or whatever and that imposter syndrome is fucking real and there and i feel it on a daily basis sometimes but we just show up and do the work anyway and y'all you bitches need to fucking hear this you can do this too like i mean kelsey and i are pretty great but we're not we're not like any special flowers in comparison to the rest of the female population like you guys can and should do this work in whatever that looks like for you and I'm just proud of you. And I'm really happy that you came on my show, finally. Yes. I know. <laughs> it took us a while, but hey, we're busy women, okay? I know. <laughs> we're busy, career-oriented women, and I love that for us. And yes. no, it's just, it's such a, it, it is really like a beautiful story. And, I, and this is really only the beginning for you. Like, I know that you're really going to take this nationwide, worldwide. Like, you're, you, you just know, I think, when you meet someone that is really special and has that that thing about them that is gonna take them kind of to that that next level and and you that's that's you you're one of those people and so i'm so i'm inspired to know you i'm you know grateful for you being on this show for doing this work i love your book i talk about it with to all my educator peeps i think um it is it's taking I think strength, not that I'm not saying that strength based stuff is like brand new, but the way you're doing it is so systematic. And it's, I've been saying the term math, not drama a lot lately. It's very like, here's the evidence and here's the data to support that it works. By the way, like in her, you have like a whole section in your book. It's like students are not data or something, but it's oh like, by gosh. the way, we're all human beings too. Um, and here's what works with human beings. Mm -hmm. And I just think you bring all these things together very beautifully and um, professionally and but also really speaking to, you know, the person that is reading it or using your approaches. And mm -hmm. I know that students are really as continue as educators continue to get this in their hands. Students are going to continue. Um, to really respond to this. And I I just can't wait to see like this mass change that this work that you're doing incites on our society as a whole and on girl, little girls as a whole, especially because um, they're really, 
near and dear to my heart being in this community all about empowering other women but so tell me before we go like you just gen one so two days ago you just launched it's kind of this like big big thing in addition to your book tell us about it yes we did so me and my co-author again we just released the strength-based collective and it is essentially um, where you can go for all of your strength-based related tools. So we have links to research, um, links to the book, links to tools that are free, tools that cost money to identify your strengths and um, you know identify how you can use those strengths to be successful. So we're really um, gonna be building this out throughout the next couple of months, getting speaking engagements in order and really just having this be a hub for people to access to kind of really just better this work. So that is at strengthbasedcollective.com. And um, yeah, go ahead and you can buy the book there as well. Oh my God, strength base. It's a strength hub, a hub it for is. your strengths. I love this. I, I adore this. I adore you. You guys, you can find the book there. You can also find, I found the book on good old fashioned Amazon. Yes, and um, <laughs> it's on my good old Kindle. So I have it with me everywhere I go. It's on my phone <laughs> too. It. So I can just, Love you know, it. I'm like, hey, I know someone that's an author. I can just pull up the book and be like, look at it. And then my phone's like, look at it. Look at it. Look at her. Look at her. That's ah, literally what I do. I carry it with me everywhere. I'm like, I <laughs> <laughs> I mean, bitch, you should. I'm in the process of writing a book. And I'm when I publish my book, I also will be like, bitch, I wrote a book. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. Yes. Uh, God, like I said, I'm just so inspired by you and women doing this amazing change-making work in this world and leaving your mark in your unique, beautiful way. Um, I am so excited to see what else comes out of you, girlfriend, because like I said, you are just you. just beginning this journey, and I'm so and you proud know of you. you. Thank you. I know. Proud no. of you. <laughs> Thank you, love. All right. I take uh, it back. <laughs> like, never mind. I spoke to your ego. Shut up. Um, no, you, Kel Kelsey knew me in grad school in a time that my arrogance was at an all-time high. So um, I will say I yeah. have attempted. <laughs> she goes, yeah. You know, listen, all right? I worked on myself. I went to therapy, too. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> no, I it love it. was absolutely needed. It was absolutely needed. So, um, no, like I said, love this work. So excited to see, go to strengthbasedcollective.com, buy Kelsey's book, support a woman doing the damn thing, share it with your educator friends, share it with your mom friends, remind your mom friends to find the strengths in their children and not focus on what's wrong with them, but what's strong with them. What a beautiful episode, my ladies. Yes. I will be back next week with a BU series episode. You're going to get just me next week. And I cannot wait for a little short and sweet episode to continue our conversation about being your most authentic self, about being authentically you and being perfectly enough in this very moment in time. I love you all. I will see you next week. This has been another episode of Bitch, You Need to Hear This.